Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm joined by GQ's Howard Beck to answer some big questions about some big names for the Knicks offseason. Is Carl Anthony Towns the right fit? Eh, spoilers, maybe not. Is Paul George potentially available? Howard has the latest on that, and so many other guys right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks. I want to remind you to download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I want to remind you to make Locked On Knicks your first listen today, and every day you can do so by subscribing and hitting the notifications bell on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, do the same on your podcast platform of choice because we are putting out some fantastic content right now. Uh, Alex got a chance to talk with Tony East over at the Locked On Pacers podcast about uh, a potential Obi Toppin trade for some of their top picks. Uh, I got the chance to talk to Howard today. Uh, spoilers, is going to be a two-parter, so check out part two next week. We're going to check in with the guys over at Locked On Wizards about Chris Stapps Porzingis and Bradley Beal early next week and have some final thoughts on the NBA draft for you guys with some special guests. Um, but for now... We dive deep with Howard Beck on some of the biggest stars the Knicks can go after right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, I am lucky enough to be joined by one of my all-time favorites, Howard Beck of GQ Sports, who just put a fantastic story on the process um, uh, the NBA does to get locker rooms ready uh, for the post-final celebration, which Howard, I mean, I watched the videos. This was like a particularly rich one, I think, with Jokic throwing Jamal Murray in the pool. Now he apparently lost his finals MVP. I'm sure you got a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> you know, the pool thing was funny because that happens, of course, off the locker room. And, you know, there are other areas where even on a night of the championship celebration where a lot of media is in places that we wouldn't normally be in, in a way. Uh, I did not see that happen in, in live in, in, in real time. I saw that video much, much later after I had left the locker room smelling like smoke and champagne and everything. But, yeah, I was in there with the NBA crew. While they were during and actually during setup, but pre setup, I was in there during the final minutes of the fourth quarter as they are nervously sitting there going, can we do it yet? Can we not do it yet? Is, are, the, are the heat going to suddenly come back and pull this out? Because it was looking for a minute like they would. And so there's this nervous energy for everybody setting up because you have to act very, very quickly when the game comes down to the final minutes or seconds. And historically, there have been a lot of these. So I, I reference a few anecdotes in the story as well uh, at GQ Sports about past years where Someone's got the, the trophy and they're ready to come out to the court with it. And then it's like, nope, the Celtics just blew it. Run around back the other way because nobody can see the trophy before the series is over. Wait, you it Spurs, Spurs Heat game six, right? Very famous. Another one of those. Yeah. yeah. So there's just there's always this this anxiety. Um, you have to be prepared. You have to be ready when there's a, when one team's got three wins. And especially when you get to a game seven and both teams have three wins. And now you don't even know which locker room. So game seven in 2016, Cavs Warriors. They were standing 
the crews were like waiting between almost equidistant from the two locker rooms. And at a certain point, like we got to pick and the Warriors were up by three with maybe four minutes to go or something like that. And if you remember, there wasn't a lot of scoring down the, the stretch of that game. They finally, they picked the locker room. They picked the Warriors. They go down there because they're leading by three and they're the defending champs, whatever. All right, we're going to go to the Warriors locker room. They get there. They start doing everything. Oh no, Kyrie hits the shot. Oh no, uh, LeBron's block. I'm maybe getting those out of order. Um, and then they immediately like, nope, <laughs> run back down to the Cavs locker room. And so I was there to watch them set up. Now, this wasn't the case Monday. It was, it was either Nuggets win or we pack it all up and we drag everything to Miami, shirts, hats, all that stuff. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, as, as it came down the stretch, it was becoming clearer and clearer. Nope, nope, the Nuggets are going to pull this out. And so, boom, everybody moves into action. They start putting up tarps. They start putting out the champagne bottles. They start putting out the goggles. They start uh, putting up all these different decorations. It was a lot of fun to watch unfold. And then I, I hung in there for the next couple hours as the, the Nuggets came in and champagne spraying everywhere, of course, and all that. Um, every one of these is special. Every one of these is fun. I do think, and I've been in, in the locker room for a few, it's been a while since I was in for the actual first popping of the champagne, not since I was covering the Lakers back in the early two thousands, but I've been to a lot, a lot of finals and a lot, a lot of championships and they're all special. But what guys will tell you, especially when they've won multiple is that there is nothing like the first one. Yeah. And the, the, the pure joy, elation, a sense of accomplishment that they get um, at that first one, it's like nothing else. And it's not that the, that if you win a second one or a third or whatever, that they don't all feel amazing, but if you've never done it before, you know, like the Nuggets hadn't done a pretty young team, you know, like the only guys on that team, you know, obviously KCP had won one with the Lakers. Um, but man, it's just, it's just really cool. It's really special. It's a lot of fun. Also, by the way, a quick couple of Knicks notes on that. So um, one of the first guys I saw come in was Jared Jeffries, who, oh, you know, I didn't. Lo love Jared, one of my favorite Knicks uh, from the time that I was a beat writer. So uh, got to congratulate him. Hug from Jared Jeffries. Uh, uh, his hand was soaking wet from champagne by, the, by that point when we shook hands. Um, and, uh, of course, Michael Malone uh, was an assistant coach for the Knicks when I first started covering them in 2004. So very happy for Michael Malone. Um I think those were the only Knicks ties. Obviously, there was the Nets tie of Bruce Brown, who they never should have well, let well, walk. Well, Jamal Murray, a, a pick from the Carmel Jamal Murray. So, but painful, a painful Knicks tie, but uh, a Knicks tie all the that, same. Yeah, that was a piece of the Carmelo trade, right? I was, yes. I was, yeah, mm -hmm. so um, I think the final – he might have been the final piece. with Either him or, or Gordon Hayward. Those, those were both – Nick's picks from the Carmelo deal, I believe. Yeah, or was, we, might, or was, we might have to change topics. <laughs> unless, unless Hayward was the Marbury deal. Is that possible? I don't know. Anyway. Right, on, on, a, <laughs> on a happier uh, Knicks-related note, maybe maybe one day, Howard, you'll be on and we'll, we'll be talking about uh, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett spraying each other with champagne. But, but some would argue I, I might be in that camp that for that to happen, uh, the Knicks would need to make a superstar acquisition. So as, as it is every offseason, we've heard a whole bunch of names thrown yeah. around from Joel Embiid to Bradley Beal to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, it feels maybe a touch more realistic this offseason just because the Knicks have the assets to pull it off and an incentive to do so with some proof of concept this postseason that, hey, we might actually be somewhat within the realm of, of close to that kind of stage. Um, what have you heard, whether it's on those guys or other guys, like where the Knicks are, are maybe probing, where they're just internally talking about guys? And is there anyone you would deem as sort of semi-realistic? Or, or do you think this is more a situation where the Knicks kind of happy where they're at and, and maybe they're just going to run it back next year? 
All right, guys, we'll be back with Howard in just a sec. But first, I wanted to tell you about one of our newest and one of my favorite sponsors here at Locked On Knicks with Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy. I spend a little bit of time in the gym here or there, but anything I do have, uh, Bird Dogs is happy to accentuate. Uh, they are far and away the most comfortable pair of shorts I have ever had. And I am someone, much to the chagrin of my girlfriend, that loves athleisure. The beauty of Bird Dogs is they look good, but they're more comfortable than any pair of basketball shorts I have ever worn in my life. And if you want to do something athletic in them, you can. Plus, I really like them because I was desperate for a water bottle, and they threw in this really cool tumbler here. So that was a really big win for me. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. So the way I've described this, you know, with a lot of teams at this particular moment and, and the way the NBA is right now, everybody has to kind of play, play this as, as a, uh, an opportunistic kind of strategy, right? You can't plan for, we're going to go get this guy at this time. Once upon a time, you could kind of plan that way. And even if you didn't know you were going to get him, although this is a tampering league, obviously, and sometimes you know who exactly who you're going to get. I think they were pretty sure they were going to get Brunson and they're not the first to, to kind of know that ahead of time. Um, but you can target free agents based on, all right, we know this guy's a free agent at this time and we're going to have cap room. Whatever. That NBA is kind of in the past. Like it's not that nobody ever changes teams via free agency. It'll still happen. But as we've seen over the last few years, it's mostly via trade. So the best strategy is to kind of play it cool, um, you know, accumulate assets. If you're trying to get that next star on the, unless you have another path, right? If you, if you do have a guy you think is coming in for agency, or if you do, if you're a bad team, that's going to be high in the lottery. All right, fine. You'll get your star that way. But if you're a team like the Knicks, that's trying to play somewhere in the middle. And that's what they've been doing for however many years running now, they've, they've really never gone the, the full on tanking strategy. They've had lottery picks, but they've never really tried to bottom out or do it for multiple years or anything. They've been trying to play the middle ever since Tibbs arrived, frankly, that's because that's what Tibbs does. Tibbs is not going to let you bottom out. So the best thing to do is what the Knicks have done, which is just accumulate assets, be patient, you know, develop guys. They've done all those things. And along the way, they've gotten a guy who nobody thought was a star who suddenly become a star. So that Jalen Brunson is now flirting with, you know, like I, Look, if he plays like he did this past season, he's definitely an all-star. No matter how many guards, no matter how big the glut is, he's going to make the all-star team. If he plays like he did this past season, he might make all-NBA. Again, there is a glut. It's hard. There's only six spots. But he's in that range. So you are that much further along because you've got a guy who is all-NBA caliber, whether he makes it or not. But I, but he's not a 1A, right? He's a 1B. That's not an insult. A lot of guys are actually 1Bs, right? Mikhail Bridges had an outstanding run for the Nets once they got him. Eh, you're not building around Mikhail Bridges. Like, he's a 1B. Um, and so I, the Knicks are still in search of that guy. And they're, they're, they're on the right course, right? They've got a bunch of interesting pieces. I got a bunch of guys on good contracts, a bunch of young, uh, a bunch of youth, um, and a bunch of picks. I don't, given the way that they've operated so far, Unless they're starting to feel the heat from above and you just never know when that's coming. I don't think they're going to suddenly go all in to get like a Zach Levine, right? Um, 
but maybe I, it's it, it's hard to know, right? And we'll go through some names, and some of these guys are are riskier than others. But I don't think they have to go right now. Uh, it, it's they've got. I think they bought themselves a little bit of time, just as they did in year one. Tibbs gets them to overachieve. They bought some time. They regress the next season, but then they've come. You know, th- this past season they break through again. What Brunson did is for real. Um, I think the development you've seen from some of the younger guys is real and they're young enough. A lot of guys in their early twenties, early to mid twenties that you can make the case both to the fans and both to the guy above, (laughs) not, uh, not that guy above the other guy above Um, that, that, Hey, look, we're on the right path here. We, we may not leap from five to two. We may not leap from five to championship contention, but we'll spend a couple of years here in the middle. And if things break our way, Maybe we do make a deep run. And if they don't, we're still going to keep our heels cool because we're not going to go all in on the wrong guy. And I think like that is the way that it feels like they've been operating. They've been very patient uh, and I think uh, methodical about in the way that they have operated so far. Um, so look to the, to the player of, of the week, right? Uh, the, the speculative player of the week, Bradley Beal. Yeah. I don't think the way that the Knicks have operated under this front office indicates that they're going to be the team that goes all out to get Bradley Beal. I could be wrong. I could be badly wrong, but I think Beal would be absolutely the wrong move for them. And I I don't, I don't see them going down that path. Uh, His contract is brutal. Um, He's never healthy. He's a really great player, but he's also, I don't know that he's the right pairing with Jalen Brunson. Um, He's got a better track record overall than Brunson you know, if the totality of their careers, but like, is he, you're not replacing Brunson with him. And if you're pairing Brunson with them, you're really putting a ton of pressure, I think on your, your, your bigs to make up for all the defense. So I don't, it doesn't feel like the right move to me. I don't think Levine and DeRozan, if those guys become available are necessarily the right move. Um, although DeRozan could be interesting. Um, you know, we're going to start hearing more and more about Zion. Um, I, I, I would be scared to death of acquiring Zion. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who will be speculating on that I don't think are the right fit. The the one that's the most interesting to me um, is Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. We don't know if Towns is going to be available yet. I was joking with somebody back in like January before a game of chit-chatting with a, a, a you know, team's ex- exec who was visiting. Um, at that time, I don't know if Towns had just gotten hurt, but Towns and Gobert clearly were not working well together at that point. And they're going so far all in with Gobert and they're obviously keeping Anthony Edwards. It's like, well, at some point, if, if push, you know, push comes to shove and you've got to like figure out your path forward, building around Anthony Edwards and now Gobert as your defensive anchor towns is the odd man out. And towns felt like the perfect Nick in some ways because the CAA ties, the Leon Rose ties, um, local ties. I, I, again, he's a guy I'd be wary of. He's incredibly talented and he, you know, and there's all the, all the reasons you could want to go get him. And there's all the reasons that you would want to not go get him. I, I just thought like, this is inevitable. Carl Anthony Towns going to become a Nick. Um, I don't know if the Timberwolves are there yet. We'll find out soon enough. I don't know if they're there yet. Yeah. I think, I think on cat, I'm personally, I, I get the appeal. One, one of the most talented or maybe skilled is the right word, offensive bigs in, in, in the history of basketball. I, I think your, your buddy Zach Lowe is, is fond of saying like best shooting center of all time, which I 
like there's a compelling because because towns for. because towns gave himself that, that oh did he did he okay well <laughs> yeah I think well, he's Zach's, not he's, I, mean, I think Zach's using that sarcastically yeah. probably yeah okay well I I think at center you could not not big obviously yeah. but center you could you could make a compelling argument for it sure um I have not been a fan of like not how he conducts himself that's the wrong word because he seems like a just a fantastic dude um, who's obviously been through just a, a brutal time off the court the last few years. But he also, yes. he like went on the Patrick Beverly's podcast yesterday and was like indirectly making an argument that the Timberwolves uh, making the play in and winning a play in game was more impressive than the Denver Nuggets winning uh, the yeah. championship this year, which maybe like I'll give him a chance to rephrase that maybe exactly isn't what he wanted to say, but like, there's like, I don't know if he fits in with the mentality of this Knicks team. I think, the regular season version of Julius Randle is, and, and Howard, feel free to push back on this. I would rather have him than Carl Anthony Towns because weirdly for all the criticism Randall's had defensively, I think over the course of a full season, he at least has the potential to play better defense and like usually does, even though that wasn't really Minnesota's problem this year with him and Gobert on the court. And I think my biggest fear for the Knicks is, would you just be building like a slightly elevated version of what the Timberwolves have right now with Brunson kind of playing the role of Anthony Edwards, Mitchell Robinson, maybe playing the role of a lesser um, Rudy Gobert. And sure, maybe the Knicks have a little bit more depth, maybe quickly is better than any of Minnesota's supporting parts. But like, how, how far do you think that team with Carl Anthony Towns really gets you if you're trading Randall for him? Yeah, I mean, listen, and Tibbs has already had Towns once, right? And if he couldn't yeah. get him to commit to defense the first time, is he going to be able to the second time? Um, and how many coaches has Towns had who have tried to get him to be uh, more of a force at that end? Um, now, look, he's he's a different player now, you know, a little older, you know, a different person, more mature, everything than he was when Tips had him in Minnesota. But like, you know, there, there's a question, too, right? Like if that if that discussion is happening in earnest and I, I'm not asserting that it has i don't know but if that discussion is happening in earnest in that front office and at what point is tibbs in there saying <laughs> saying something i don't i don't know what exactly he would say maybe he'd say listen i i you know good to go i like the guy like uh we'll we'll figure it out you know um but maybe not maybe maybe he's already you know for, for all we know he's already decided this guy is too soft is not going to ever commit at this end um he's going to be frustrating as hell and 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 it's tough because towns's best position is probably center yeah. in today's NBA. So now you're displacing Mitchell Robinson or you're pairing with Mitchell Robinson. And yeah, as you noted, like you know, Mitchell Robinson, a lesser Rudy Gobert, like, well, if it's not working in Minnesota with that configuration, how's it working in New York? And if Towns does go to center, Towns and Randall together, if like, look, Randall may be going out in that deal, but like Towns and Randall together, I defensively, you're, you're, you're in real trouble now. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the, it's the right move forward. I don't think it like it would, it would, it might move the next needle a little bit, right? You might become so dynamic, the potential to become so dynamic offensively that it makes up for some of the defensive um, uh, deficiencies. Like maybe, maybe, but again, like the Knicks weren't exactly a great defensive team this past season, right? In the regular season. It, it no, was not no, they were, they were in the playoffs. They weren't, they're were average in the regular season. Yeah. And so you're, you're already kind of operating from a deficit there in some ways. Um, so I don't, I don't know that the, that this, that the, that the ideal path forward is to lean further and further into offense at the expense of defense. Although notably the Nuggets just won the championship having been a 
middle of the pack at best defensive team in the regular season. They were much better defensively in the playoffs when they needed to be. Uh, but the Nuggets were a eh, defensive team, but they were also like a historically great offensive team efficiency wise. So um, I'll put it this way. Just because a guy is available in trade and a star doesn't mean you rush out to get him. So that I think that applies to Beal. I think that applies on some level to Towns. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other names that are going to bounce around, right? Uh, is Siakam going to be available? Is, uh, you know, there's the Jalen Brown question. I don't think he's actually going to be available, but who knows? You know, we know that Harden and Westbrook and Chris Paul are all probably available, and I don't think any of them fit. DeAndre Ayton is probably on the block. Is that of intrigue? Um, you know, Zion may or may not be, and, and you know, the, the price there may be steep, and I, I'd, like I said earlier, I'd be scared to death of acquiring him. Um and then there's one other intriguing possibility. I floated this on a couple of the of the uh, the locked on shows. All right, guys, we'll be back with Howard one final time. But first, I wanted to remind you that buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guaranteed, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you have, guys. Game time has been super useful in my life. I'm fortunate enough to live just about 14 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. But I'm sure like many of you, I find Knicks tickets are occasionally not the most affordable. But that's where game time comes in because I can look 10 minutes before, see someone who's desperate to sell and take advantage of it and go enjoy watching my Knicks in person. Um, game time is the place for last minute ticket deals because you don't have to plan months in advance. They have tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on any sport you can imagine. In addition to concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress on game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed uh, over the past week. But it's been suggested to me to keep an eye on Paul George, not because yeah. people think he's definitely going to be available or that the Clippers have already made a decision or anything like that. So for the aggregators, do not go crazy. But Paul George and Carl and, and, uh, and Kawhi Leonard, that tandem, right? they're both going into the last year of their deals before they can opt out. Um you know, there's obviously a growing frustration with the fact that they have not been able to break through since signing those guys in tandem or, or acquiring them in tandem, I should say, in 2019. They're both hurt all the time. Um, and the Clippers, like the Warriors, were pretty much the target of all these new CBA wrinkles that are making it life very, very difficult if you have a massive payroll, which they do. And it's not just luxury tax stuff. Bomber will cut checks after checks after checks. But having a payroll that balloons the way that theirs does is going to start costing you in terms of cap exceptions and, and ability to sign and trade for players, it starts to really, really hurt you. And so the thought is maybe it's time for them to break up that, that duo and that Paul George would be the one to send out there. If he were available, I, listen, I don't, I don't know what the offers out there would be, but I think Paul George is still an incredibly valuable player. Uh, that, yeah. like, that's a guy I would be very intrigued to go get if, 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 if. <laughs> if the Clippers actually decide to go that direction. Yeah, so he is, I, I'm glad you brought him up, because he, he's the name on this podcast for about two years that I've described as kind of the archetype of the type of guy I think the Knicks should go all in on, because what, what's, what's sort of the one piece they don't have on this team? 
that they haven't had. I mean, if, if you want to say two-way wing, you could say since before Carmelo Anthony, like that is the guy they've always lacked. And that pre Nikola Jokic, pre Steph Curry, that tends to be the guy like who, who's the dude on an NBA championship caliber team, right? Like this is a league that again, those two aside, and, and I guess Giannis aside and, and maybe Embiid. So maybe I'm adding a lot of his size at this point that is generally run by wings. And, and for as good as RJ Barrett could potentially be down the road, he's never going to be that type of shooter. I, I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of creator um, off the dribble. And he's never going to be that type of defender. And he's not, he's not Paul George's size. That, that is like the mold of star that the Knicks just don't have accessible to them. And to your point with a team that is, at least for the foreseeable future, not going to be near the top of the draft. Like there isn't really another avenue to acquire that type of player. So even at 32, 33, like he's still someone, if I'm the Knicks, like I would be willing to make a substantial commitment for and say, Hey, we're going to pour a lot of our assets into this guy. And and maybe we're lowering our time horizon a little bit in terms of, um, how long we can contend because of his age, because of his injury history, which that's, that's the really scary part there. But in terms of type of guy you'd want to pair with Jalen Brunson, um, let me know if you agree. Like, like I, I think he's, he's kind of perfect. All right, guys, we ran a little bit long with Mr. Beck. So what we were going to do, I know, I know these are your, your least favorite words in uh, niche Nick's podcasting, but uh, we are going to split this off into a part two that should be out early next week where we get a little bit deeper with Howard into the Knicks own players. Uh, should they trade Julius Barrett, Julius Barrett, Jesus, should they trade Julius Randall? Um, isn't Emmanuel quickly Jalen Brunson backcourt sustainable? That's we, we, we go back and forth on that. Um, and can the Knicks win a championship without a top notch defense? All that and more next time with Mr. Howard Beck, one of the best to do it. Um, on Locked on Knicks.